Well, the only thing I know to do after that is praise Jesus. It's over. Give Jesus some praise this morning. Come on. I tell you what, I'm so glad that you love Jesus and that you applaud for him. So thank you so much for doing that this morning. My name is Adam Harold. My wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this community called The Refuge together. We're a team, and I couldn't do it without her. She couldn't do it without me on most days, and uh, I'm just so thrilled that you're here this morning. If you're here for the first time, I want to invite you to fill out the connection card in front of you. Drop it in the black box on your way out, and if you don't know anything about that, then just find someone with a, a lanyard on that says Dream Team, and they can tell you how to find the black box to put that in. Uh, drop it in. I just want to uh, drop a note in the mail to you this week and just say thank you so much for, for your time. Well, as um, I don't know the guy's name, Garrick, uh, that was on our announcements today, uh, mentioned today is the beginning of 21 days of prayer. And so what that means, and I forgot, I totally biffed it in the first service to mention this, but what that means is that tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., we're going to have the doors open here for prayer. So um, everyone is welcome to, to join us at 6 a.m. Yes, I know tomorrow's Labor Day, but just like my football coach used to tell me, it's Labor Day and we're going to labor, all right? So um, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a joke. But, uh, and you laughed, so it worked. Um, but tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., we'll open the church. We'll have prayer, a time of prayer for an hour. And, um, and then at 7 o'clock, you can go on to either your festivities or to labor. So um, either way, uh, tomorrow morning at 6. And then the rest of the week, same time, 6 a.m. until Saturday at 9 a.m. So um, that goes for the next 21 days. Now, normally, I would invite my friend Dave Moxie to come up here and to kick things off and hopefully he'll be here next week. However, the Bible says that we can make our plans, but God determines our steps. And this morning, he's determined our steps through the stomach bug with Dave Moxie. And so he's not here this morning uh, as a result of that. And because of that, um, I'm going to kick us off with prayer this morning. So um, to make it special, though, um, I want to, and I did this in the first service. I'm going to do it in the second service. I want to invite anyone that is involved with the school system to stand to your feet. So that could be a teacher, janitor, cook, homeschool, private school. It don't matter. If you're, listen, if you homeschool your kids, you need Jesus. So you can stand to your feet with them. And, um, and so we're inviting everyone that's involved in the school system to stand for prayer. And if there's no one, uh, then we will continue to pray. So let's, let's, let's pray. Father, um, I thank you that you desire a relationship with us. I thank you that that desire led you to giving up your most treasured possession, your child, your son, Jesus, to come to earth to live a perfect life, to die a brutal death so that I can have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that my time with you would be determined by the sacrifice that you've already given, meaning that I would see the sacrifice and I would crave more time with you because of the cost the cost that my time with you was paid by you. Father, I, I pray for the next 21 days that we would seek intimacy with the Father. God, I, 
want to pray specifically this morning for the teachers, the administrators, the cooks, the janitors, the teacher's aides, the private schools, and the homeschools. Father, I pray that you would be with each and every single one of them because, Lord, we know that we have an enemy that is after them. So, God, we pray that you would put a hedge of protection around them as we kick off the school year. Lord, I just pray that you would protect and provide. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In fact, uh, to to kick off the school year, um, this, this month only, we're doing our youth night on the second week of the month, so, so this coming Saturday. So um, any uh, parents with teenagers, junior high and high school, uh, make sure you mark your calendars that it is this Saturday, not next Saturday. So um, that one wasn't in the announcements either. Okay, so today we're in week four of a series that we've called True Satisfaction. And um, that means it's the finale, uh, the finale of true satisfaction. And um, it's all been centered on Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. So you can turn in your Bibles to Galatians 5, 13, or you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app, So, um, which the screens will tell you how to, how to find that. Um, this series was started with Tanya four weeks ago. Um, she kicked it off by talking about being satisfied in our calling being satisfied in our calling, meaning that every person that comes to know Jesus is called by name, by the Spirit, drawn into, in, into him, and they respond to him. Maybe at the end of this service, you might feel the call of God to respond to the call of God, to be his child. The only way that you can be God's child is by, by grace through faith in Jesus. It's only through faith in Jesus that we're able to be saved. Tanya talked about that in week one. Week two, we talked about how we are satisfied in our freedom in Christ. I gave seven different points about being free in Christ and what that looks like. And uh, each one of those points could be a, a whole series in their, themselves. Um, week three, last Sunday, we talked about being satisfied in death. Now, that sounds very pleasant, doesn't it? Um, being satisfied in death, meaning that we have to crucify the old self and allow the Spirit of God to come alive inside of us to live by the Spirit. And when the Spirit, when the flesh is crucified, we're, we are guided by the Spirit in our lives. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ that lives in me. And now the life that I live, I live in faith according to the one who gave his life for me. And so we have to be crucified with Christ. And so last week we talked about this idea of Christ coming inside of me to live in me, but also to live through me. Last week, we focused on Christ in me. This week, we're going to focus on Christ through me. And so, um, again, Galatians 2, uh, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 is where we're at in our text today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. I know I just prayed. I'm going to pray even another time before we're, we're done, all right? So, um, we like to talk to God around here, okay? That's a good thing. So I'm going to pray and ask God to speak today. Father, I pray specifically that your voice would be the loudest voice in the room. 
Because God, I know, because I battle with this. I know that there are so many voices in our heads and in our lives that speak lies to us. And I just ask that the voice of truth would be the loudest in the room today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my dear brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. This morning, we want to focus on the last phrase, to serve one another in love. But before you get to the end of the verse, you got to start at the beginning of the verse. And so I want to remind you that it all starts with calling. It all starts with being called because we're called. Because we're called, we serve one another in love because it's who we are. And so over the last several weeks, I've talked about how anyone can serve anyone. You don't have to have Jesus to serve someone else, to do something nice for someone else. Just look at Instagram. Everyone is doing nice for, for someone else, right? They'll show you. <laughs> They'll show you. Look at how good I am. I'm, glad, I'm just glad you're awake. They'll show you. But the difference in doing something for someone else between the person that knows Jesus and the person that doesn't know Jesus is the reason they do it. The reason the person that follows Jesus serves someone else is because it is who they are. Last week we talked about how who they are is a dead man in the flesh. So it's no longer about their feelings and their emotions. It is about allowing the Spirit of God to live through them. So we do it because it's, it's who we are. It's Christ through me. One thing that we didn't say last week is that when Christ comes in us, he equips us in order to live through us. Let me say that again because it's foundational for our talk today. When Christ comes in us, he equips us so that he can live through us. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved at the moment of salvation is given a gift. That gift is called a spiritual gift. And when and, and so if you're sitting here this morning and I'm talking about being about about being gifted to serve. I want you to know this morning, you have a gift. You might be sitting there and you're like, but I don't know what my gift is. That's, what, that's why we have Seven Minute Head Start. That's why we have My Refuge, which I'll talk a little bit about later on, to help you discover your gift. But we've all been given a gift. You've been given a gift. Your gift is to be used by God for a reason. And it brings me to today's big idea. The big idea today is this, if I have one thing I want to communicate to you, it's this. The gift that God gives me is to benefit the church, not me. The gift that God gives me is to benefit the church, not me. Now, before you start throwing rotten tomatoes at me, let me real quick say something. And that is that when God gives me a gift, I benefit from that gift. 
I, can ben- I get to benefit from that gift, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of the gift is to benefit the church. And when I use my gift for its purpose, you know what that gift does? It explodes. And it multiplies. And it benefits me even more because I'm using it for the purpose that God gave it to me for. Does that make sense to you? It makes so much sense to me that the gift that God gives me can benefit me. I can use my gifts that God gives me to make money for myself, to to do things to benefit other people outside of the church. But at the end of the day, the purpose of my gift is to benefit God's kingdom, not my kingdom. Let me show you in scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says this. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. I love the idea that God has a big bag of gifts. A variety. But what does Peter tell us to do with those gifts? Use them well to serve one another. Not to serve yourself, but to serve one another. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse, 14, uh, verse 4 through 6. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. First Peter, or First Corinthians 14, 26 says this, and we're going to go back and read each one of these, but 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let us summarize. When we meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revolution that God has given them. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said. But everything is done must strengthen all of you. Listen, we get hung up on each one of those gifts a lot of times we get hung up on the gift, not the purpose. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 tells us at the end of the verse, after he lists all the gifts, what the purpose of the gifts is, which is to strengthen the church, to strengthen you, to strengthen each other. So our big idea, again, God gives me gifts to benefit the church, not to benefit Now, when the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Galatians chapter 5, I think Tanya talked a little bit about this in week number one, but Galatians 5.13, our foundational verse for the series, he was writing to a church called Galatia. It's in a city called Galatia. And he's writing this church called Galatia. And the whole reason that he's writing them is because they were fighting. You know what they were fighting over? I think Tanya said it in week one. They're fighting over circumcision. All the fellas, don't leave. We're we're not fighting over that any longer. Hallelujah. Right? They were fighting over circumcision. The issue was people were coming to know Jesus because Jesus had already died and had already provided a way to get to God. And so now the new covenant is here and a part of the new covenant, they're trying to weed out what's the law, what's the covenant. What is it that I'm supposed to follow? What am I supposed to do now? And Paul is writing them, and 
verse 13, he says, now use your freedom to serve one another, not to sin, right? And so the issue of freedom that they're talking about is circumcision. You don't have to be circumcised now to be a follower of Jesus. Praise God. Because these were men that, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Can you imagine how difficult conversion would be at the end of a service? If you, anyway, I'm, 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 that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's terrible. Man. All right, all right. Listen, I said this in the first service. The Bible, if you haven't picked up yet, the Bible is a rated R book. That's why we have kids ministry. Come on, somebody. It's a rated R book. It's a book that's graphic. I mean, if, and if you want to know exactly how graphic it is, read the book of Ezekiel in the English Standard Version. It's amazing. That's all I'm going to say. Just, just go check it out. So the Bible is a rated R book because he's talking about, about circumcision. This, this is crazy. But in 1 Corinthians that, he, that we just read part of, their issue was far worse than Galatia because their issue was that it was publicly known that one of the boys was having relations <laughs> with his stepmom. He was, it, to me, it's like, whoa. These churches were messed up. And they're the ones that God said, I'm going to use you to bring the gospel to the entire world. I'm going to use your gifts that I have given you to strengthen you so that you can reach the world around you. Your gifts were given to you to benefit the church, not to benefit you. I've got three points this morning about how the church benefits from our gifts. Number one, the church is strengthened by our gifts. Our gifts are used to strengthen the church. Now, I'm going to explain that in just a moment, but look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, you will sing. Another will teach. Another will tell special revelation from God as given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. The reason that we do this on Sunday morning, I pray that when we leave, we leave stronger than we were when we came in. We've always, I mean, it's easy to make the correlation between the gym and the church. It's ironic that there's two gyms in our complex in a church. This, like, I need to talk to, to the new owner about, about changing the name of the entire complex. This is the strength complex, right? Just go here, get stronger. We have to, we have to strengthen ourselves. But... The question is, how does this church get stronger? How do we get stronger through our gifts? And those are, that's, that leads us to the next two points. The next point is that our gifts are used to multiply the church. 
Number one, our gifts are used to strengthen the church. Number two, our gifts are used to multiply the church. What better way to get stronger than to get, grow in number? Strengthen numbers. We've all, we've all heard that, right? So we, we have to multiply. Can I tell you something? God's heart is always about multiplication. Let me say that again. God's heart is always about multiplication. Let me show you in scripture and then I'll tell you a story. Genesis chapter one, verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. The very first command that God gave mankind was to multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. The last command that Jesus gave his disciples, guess what it was? Guess what it was? To multiply. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and multiply disciples. I made that. I, I, I changed the word. There, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I listened to a, a different podcast this week. <laughs> And um, last week, I didn't give the name of the podcast that I, I referred to. But this week, I'll tell you that the podcast I listened to was called, it's called The Leader's Cut. This isn't a different podcast than last week. The Leader's Cut with Pastor Preston Morrison. It ministers to me so, so much. And I just have to give credit where credit is due. One of the ideas that he talked about this, this last week in the, the podcast that I was listening to, he was talking about, about relationships and the way that um, re, like our relationships should, should be, be strong and how Satan wants to tear them apart. And um, one of the things that he talked about was the concept that God's heart is always for multiplication. If God's heart is always for multiplication, then Satan's heart, our enemy, always has the opposite heart of God. He always has the opposite heart of God. He's always against the things that God is for. God is for purity. Satan is for impurity. You get it? And so what's the opposite of multiplication, math nerds? You want to preach now? You want to preach now? And so why in the world is our world so divided? Because Satan wants to divide us. And the reason that Satan wants to divide us isn't because he doesn't want to, or he wants us to all wear masks or not wear masks. Uh-oh. I got into some stuff that I wasn't supposed to. Isn't because he wants to vote Republican or Democrat? It's because God wants us united and he wants us to multiply. And so Satan is always going to try to divide us when God wants us to multiply. I'm preaching this morning. I actually think that Satan uses our gifts to divide us when God intended to use them to multiply us. 
And the way that he does it is to convince us that our gifts are to be used for things that, the, that God never intended them to be used for. Let me explain it to you. And this is language that we have to change in our church. I think that it's very dangerous for us to continue to say that your gift is your purpose. Your gift isn't your purpose. Your gift is your gift. The world teaches that your gift is your purpose. Your gift is to, your, your purpose is to multiply. Your gift is to be used to multiply. But I think what happens when we elevate the gift to the purpose is we elevate the, the person, we elevate the position, and it seeps in, it leads us to pride. There's three Ps that I'll preach every Sunday. When we elevate our gift to our purpose, we, it causes us to elevate the position. Let me even say the person Man, I'm, I'm just adding peas now. <laughs> we elevate the person, the position, and we, we make it, th- we, we, we put an emphasis on the gift. The emphasis was never supposed to be the gift. The emphasis was supposed to be on strengthen, to get stronger, to grow to get closer to Jesus, more intimacy with the Father. So we'll be changing that. Your gift is not for you. Your gift is to benefit the church. So number one, our gifts are used to strengthen the church. Number two, our gifts are used to multiply the church. Number three, our gifts are used to unify the church. Unify the church. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, 4, 4 through 6. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. The same God that gave you your gift is the same God that gave me my gift. And our gifts are to unify us to understand who, when we understand who gave us the gift. Did you know that Jesus prayed for our unification, for for us to be unified? In John chapter 17, verse 20, he says, I am praying, this is Jesus speaking, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who ever will believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. When we are unified the world is drawn to Jesus. That's another reason why Satan wants us divided. So, I think there are two things that God gives us to bring unity in our church. Number one is our gifts. Our gifts unify us. 
what that looks like is that when we serve in our gifts on a Sunday morning, say, I don't know, nine o'clock, we're using our gifts. Someone at the front of the, of, the, of the church that has the gift of hospitality, which is a spiritual gift, is serving right alongside of the person that has mercy, that is also a spiritual gift. That is serving right along someone with the gift of prophecy. Serving right along with someone with the gift of helps helping each other, serving one another. This is what unity looks like in the church. Our desire as a church is that every person in this room every single Sunday would serve and use their gifts to benefit the church. Listen, this isn't a message of, multiple, of, of um, manipulation. This is a message of God's word. This is what God wants to grow his church, not our empire, his kingdom. So our, our desire is that everyone uses their gifts to benefit the church the way that God intends it so that he can multiply your gift. I love, I, I didn't tell this story earlier and I didn't get permission to tell it. I'm going to tell it. I just won't use names. How's that? There have been multiple people in our church, I'm thinking of one specifically, that came to church when we first started. This is one of my favorite things about starting a church, is this person came to our church and we were like, you, you sound good when you sing. Do you sing? She was like, in the shower or in the car. And we're like, have you ever thought about auditioning for the worship team? Now she's one of our leaders. She's she's leading our vocalist on our team. But the reason was because we saw a gift in her and she said, yes, to using that gift to benefit the church. And now she's the leader because she said yes. I'm not saying that everyone says yes is supposed to be a leader, but God explodes the gifts inside of us when we use them for the purpose he gave them to us. Number one, we're unified in our gifts. The second thing that God has given us to unify us is the gift of the Lord's Supper, communion. There's no, it's no coincidence that the word union is in communion. And so this morning, I felt the Spirit of God say, Adam, it's time that you observe the Lord's Supper as a church. And so right now, if you did not receive a um, a cup and a cracker. That's, there's a cracker in here. If you did not receive it, we've got a team member that's uh, grabbing the, the basket. And, but just just raise your hand real quick if you want a, if you want one. Uh, you're welcome to observe the Lord's Supper with us. 
our team member is walking around with these. But I'm not done preaching. Nothing brings a family together like intimacy with their dad. Nothing brings a family together like intimacy with their father. And the way we achieve intimacy with the, with the father is remembering everything the father has done for us. Man, do you remember when dad did this? Do you remember when dad did that? Do you remember? And so God has given us the Lord's Supper to remember what he's done for us sending his only son, Jesus, to die in our place. Now, I've, I've, ha I've been asked a few times what our view of the Lord's Supper is. Because if you haven't noticed, we don't do it that often. We probably do it three to four times a year. The last time that we did it was on uh, Good Friday, and it was a family service. Like, we invited just the people that are part of our church, that are connected to our church. And there's a reason for that. It's like, I, I love the story of, and I love the picture of when I was growing up and I'd have friends at my house hanging out, playing video games. And I would say, hey mom, can Philip stay over for, for dinner? And she'd be like, yeah, he can stay over. And then there were some days that I would ask her, hey mom, can Philip stay over for dinner? And she'd like, no, we're having family dinner tonight. The family of God is exclusive. The only way that you are a part of the family of God is by grace through faith by faith in Jesus. That's the only way you can be a part of God's family. If that bothers you, take it up with him. Don't take it up with me. It's exclusive. This is an exclusive meal. It's for those that have put their faith in Jesus. Let me show you in scripture. This verse used to terrify me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 through 29. So anyone who eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body, the blood of, Jesus, of the Lord. Verse 28, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are in eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. That verse used to terrify me until I really felt the Spirit of God explain it to me. What is the only thing that bring other translations use the word damnation on yourselves, not judgment? So What's the only thing that brings damnation on somebody that, that sends, let me say it this way. What's the only thing that sends someone to hell? The only thing that sends someone to hell is by not believing in Jesus, by not receiving the, the death, burial, or resurrection of Jesus in their lives, by not putting their faith and trust in him to give them new identity. So here's what this means. What happens a lot of times, and this is one reason why we, we only do it three or four times a year. Because I think what happens is you can become numb 
to doing something and then you don't really remember why you do it in the first place. I don't ever want to get that way. That's one reason. Another reason is because that, that message of eating and drinking judgment upon yourselves. I don't ever want to be guilty of allowing someone the opportunity to believe that their identity is in this cup or in this, this element. This isn't our identity this morning. Come on, somebody. But we are, our identity is in the one that poured out his blood for us, that broke his body for us. That's why we remember it. We remember it so that we can remember who we are. But God knows as human beings, we like to put emphasis on things that we shouldn't put our emphasis on. So this morning, if you belong to Jesus, I invite you to examine yourself first. I was sitting in the front row in, in, in this service and I'm just gonna be real with you. This is the third time I've taken communion today. I sat there on the front row and I said to myself, Adam, you haven't slowed down to examine. To examine yourself. So I had a moment. We all need to have a moment right now. Take a look inside and say, what have I placed my identity in? What have I mistakenly put my faith and my hope in? And give it to God. Stop cheating on Him. And come to Him as your Lord and your Savior. That's what it means to examine yourself. I'm just going to give us a moment. I didn't do this in the first service. And to them, I need, I need to apologize. Just take a moment. Pray and ask God. What needs to change? First Corinthians chapter 11, 23. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks for it. And he broke it in pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
verse 25. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is my cup. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Now Matthew's gospel tells us that after they drank it, they sang a song and they went on their way. So I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet. We're gonna sing a song in just a moment. But let me say this, our doors are gonna open on my right. If you're, if you're sitting on the sidelines and you're ready to use your gifts to strengthen the church, we've got seven minute head start in, in this room right after service is over. You can go, you can hear all about it. You can get a book that you can take home with you to do my refuge. Um, if you need prayer, that room is open for you. But maybe you were here and you weren't able to take the Lord's Supper today because you haven't placed your identity in Jesus. I wanna help you do that by believing, like I can't believe in your heart for you. You have to do that part. But I can help you go to the Father and ask him to come into your life. Let's pray. Father, just say, Father, I come to you and I realize I put my faith in many things, but I need my faith in Jesus who died for me to save me from my sin, came back to life to give me new identity. God, I choose to live in that identity today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. sing a song we'll be dismissed I hope you have the best week of your life and I hope I see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. love y'all <laughs>